You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Thanks for being here. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, pray that you would just bless us richly. Pray that you would um, feed us with your truth and your word. I pray that you give us patience and grace for our kids. Pray that you would humble us to know that we are not much better than they are and we just hide our sin better. And uh, I pray that you would sanctify us through your word and your spirit. I ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this is, um, this is uh, session two of our class about um, understanding your child. It's a, a fancy term for this class would be uh, anthropology, which would be theology of mankind. Um, but really, that's just the, yeah, theology. Basically, we're looking at what the Bible says about humanity, and we're using that as a tool and a lens to understand the tendencies and the nature of our kid. And so to do a little bit of uh, our kids, if that may be the case. Um, so we kind of have this paradigm that we're working through through all these classes. And next week, Tucker will teach. I'll have a, f- a couple more after that. But it is dignity and depravity. Dignity and depravity. And so what we mean by that is your child and all humanity is made in the image of God. So that means that your child is sacred. Your child has dignity and your child is made with specific design um, for a function in the world. And so that is, you know, and, and so that explains like when your kid is really sweet and your kid shares or your kid has a desire to serve and do things, it's because they're made in the image of God. Like that is, that explains that, that goodness that we see, um, see them as a human being. Uh, simultaneously, uh, because of the fall, your child is a sinner. That's the depravity part. <laughs> and uh, we said last week that depravity means spiritual poverty, that we really, we, do, we can't help ourselves. Like we just don't have the internal resources to be the moral, good, righteous people that we were made to be um, pre-sin. And so, um, and so as a result of that, when we understand what the Bible has to say about our kids, it helps us to be more patient with them. Helps us to love them, care for them, guide them. But in particular, um, it helps us to be a lot more empathetic and compassionate. Uh, I love this phrase of going from, there's a, there's a more crass way to say it, but going from O-crud to no-crud. Oh, you know, I've got that, it's, a, it's an AA term, going from O-crud to no-crud. And O-crud is like, we're so surprised by something. We're so surprised that our child is ungrateful or so surprised that our child smacked their sibling or that they're stealing or whatever it is. And, you know, why, why are we surprised by that? <laughs> um, they're sinners, you know. They're, they're, like, they're not any better than we are. And um, I know I was, I was and still am pretty bad. And so with that being said, you go from O-crud to no-crud. You're like, well, no-crud. Of course my child's stealing. You know, of course my child's being self-absorbed. That's, that's kind of what the Bible says to expect out of, out of human beings. And so, um, and so with that being said, today we're going to look at um, an aspect of, of our sin, uh, wanting to do life on our own terms, um, wanting to be the center of the world, uh, wanting to not be accountable to anyone because we kind of inherently think that we're God. <laughs> and that's kind of the, the default mode um, of our kids is they kind of naturally think that they're the center of the world and that they should do life on their terms and that they shouldn't be accountable to anybody. And, um, and you know, and we see them grow in that through the work of the Holy Spirit. But I always say, <laughs> please, I hope this is not offensive to anybody, 
But, um, hey, you know it's going to be good when you preface it with that. <laughs> I always say, if anybody believes in inherent human goodness, like the default mode of humanity is to be good, you have never dealt with toddlers. You've never, had ch- you've never dealt with small children, right? Uh, I mean, it's, pretty, it's uh, pretty empirically provable. Um, if you've ever worked the nursery or worked, taught children's Sunday school or had kids of your own, you know, they... They kind of they they tend to they tend to mess up and so but I think one of the things I will say there's no I'm so glad my wife's not in here to hear me say this there to validate the truth of this but there is nothing I have ever been involved with in my life like parenting to bring out the worst in my humanity <laughs> it's true I mean you know there we all have different things that bring out the worst in us nothing brings out the worst in me than parenting and uh, and it's because I'm like my child. I want to do life on my terms, right? I want control. I, want every, I don't want to be accountable to anyone. I, you know, I want to be the center of the world. And so, um, and so I think that's part of, as we talk about understanding our kids, this also can help us understand ourselves um, and why it is that you know, we can lose our temper and we can get so petty in dealing with our own kids. It's because... It's two people who think they're the, sin, the center of the world going to war <laughs> for that terror, for the center, so to speak. Um, and so we'll, um, let's start here, and we're going to look at a bunch of scriptures that have to do with uh, this, this aspect of sin. And so I want to start out, and you know, I'm going to use this word sin, and I want to first kind of throw out this definition. It's on your definition, um, on, your, uh, on your worksheet. And so it's thinking about sin at three levels. So... And one sense, uh, by the way, if you need one, there, there are still over, there's still some over on the, the, the desk over there. And so at one, it, we have sin at the behavioral level. And oftentimes that's, that's where people tend to exclusively think about sin. And that's, that's a violation of God's law. So you cheat or you lie or you lust or you're greedy or whatever it is. That's sin at the behavioral level. And that's true. Like that, you know, that's, that's in, in God's word. That's, that is a definition of sin. And that tends to be a symptom of the deeper problem, sin at the theological level and the relational level. So then you have sin at the relational level, and that involves separation. That involves disconnection. And so as a product of sin, it breaks fellowship with the Lord. And so you know, through the work of Christ, we're brought back into fellowship with God um, through his grace and forgiveness. And we all know that like, sin creates distance in relationships. So you know, if I'm a jerk to my wife, you know, we're probably not going to be all like cuddly and smiley and happy, right? Like if I'm being a jerk, there's going to be a little bit of distance and awkwardness in any kind of, any kind of relationship. So, so then we, that's sin at the relational level that involves separation. Finally, you have sin at the theological level. And this is one that we kind of, we can understate, but this is the key one I think to understand. Um, and that is, that is the desire to be our, our own savior and our own God exhibited by a desire to do life on our own terms. And so that's sin at the theological level. And so when we look at Genesis 3, back in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve sin, we can really see the anatomy of sin at a theological level. And so that's a, that's a good place to start. So I should have put the hold on passage down. But, um, but let's start here looking at Genesis 3, 6, and 7. So, you know, just before this, the serpent has come to Adam and Eve and has said, you know, did God really say, you know, not to eat from the tree? And they say yes. And he says, no, 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 no. Like, you know, God 
God's holding out on you. He's not good. He knows that if you eat from the tree that you will be like him. You will be like God. So there are these three lies that the, the serpent tells. He tells a lie about the credibility of God's word. You know, hey, did God really say that? Can you really rely on what God said to you, Adam and Eve? Second, there's a lie about um, the character of God. He insinuates that God is not good. He's not trustworthy. He's dishonest. He's not on your side. And the third lie that he tells is about humanity. He says, you can be like God. You can be like God. You can be on the same level. You can be autonomous. You can be without need. You can be the ruler of your universe. And so out of those three lies comes sin at the theological level. Um, And so so what you're going to see here is Adam and Eve... um, Adam and Eve falling into this. So it says in verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a light to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made, uh, and made themselves loincloths. And so a couple of things to notice here is, first off, uh, there's this, the, the first shift is that Adam and Eve are now uh, viewing the world through the lens of their own discretion. God has said, hey guys, don't eat from that tree. Like, it will harm you. It's going to go bad. You'll die. But notice here, it says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes... So now she's, she's operating out of her own discretion. She is, she is kind of defining reality. She's defining life on her own terms, according to her own preferences. And so then, after this, they've sinned. They're aware that they're naked. That means they're aware that they, they, they were sinners. They're now vulnerable. The first thing they do is they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So they're trying to save themselves. They're trying to be their own savior. So you can see in the way that they're they're kind of doing life on their own terms. They're trying to be their own God. And then in the way that they're trying to cover their sin, they're trying to be their own Savior. And so, um, and so, so then the next thing they do, you know, God comes to them. They run away from God. They're not believing that God is good. And he says to, um, you know, he says to Adam, hey, man, what, what went on here? And Adam says, it was her. You know, she did it. And he asks Eve, like, hey, Eve, like, some, some appears to have gone wrong. And Eve says, it was the serpent. It was him. And actually, uh, it's, uh, Adam really takes it to another level. Because Adam says, the woman that you put here. So Adam, in a sense, is like trying to, is like trying to send it back up the chain to God. You know, like, hey, man, you put her here. All right? <laughs> and so... So you can kind of see three aspects of this nature of sin. One is they want to do life on their own terms. All right, they, they, that's, that's a biggie. Um, second is um, they want to kind of be self-sufficient. They don't want help. They don't want the direction of the group. They want to be self-sufficient. And the last thing is they resist accountability. There's only one person in the world who's not accountable to anybody. And that is God. God is the only person who is above accountability. Everybody else is accountable to God. He's the creator. He's God. He's the boss. And so Adam and Eve, blame shifting is a reflection of the fact that they don't, they don't believe 
that they're accountable to anyone. They don't believe that they're accountable to God. They're above that. All right, so basically what we just described is all children, particularly from the age of two and a half to five. No, um, just kidding, or, or teenagers. But, but all that to say is like we can see, to, you know, not to say it's in a condemning way, but we can see lots of remnants and lots of evidences of that in, in, in our kids' behavior, right? So let's, um, let's, let's, let's talk about this practically. So your, your, your toddler is testing. Um, you know, you're, 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 you tell your toddler, don't do this, and your toddler is off to the races to do that very thing, right? Well, that's, that's, that's because they want to do life on their own terms. Like, okay, mom and dad, like, you have given me these terms. You know, poop on that. I'm going to do life on my terms. Um, second, you ask your child to do something. Like, hey, it's time to come to the dinner table. And you're like, you have been a good parent. You have told them. Now, I'm not personally speaking out of my experience here, am I? Um, you have told them, hey, 10 minutes before, hey, guys, wrap it up. 10 minutes from now, we're starting dinner, okay? Five-minute warm. Hey, guys, five minutes, come to the table. All right, hey, guys, time to go wash your hands because in two minutes, we're sitting down at the dinner table. And after, the, after three warnings, 10 minutes later, you know, you say, okay, guys, and what are they doing? They're, you know... They're watching uh, Encanto, or they're you know playing their video game, or they're doing their craft. <laughs> In our house, we have a child who's on the sewing machine all the time. Who would think? Um, but uh, but hey, you know, shoot him if you got him, right? Um, so anyhow, so basically, what you can see here is this. You know, I, you've you've been fair. You've given them warnings. You've, you have explained, here are the terms of the whole group, right? Like, we all need to come to the dinner table together. And yet, no. Like, I'm doing this. I want to do this, you know? And so it's just such, it's an evidence of wanting to do life on their own terms. Um, your child is uh, insistent on doing something even though it negatively affects everybody else. You know, it's like, hey, what you're doing is incredibly disruptive to your sibling who's studying or to, um, or to you know, your younger brother or whatever it is. You, you like explain the negative consequences. And they're just not that responsive, right? Because, <laughs> um, you know, because there's this inherent thing of I'm the center of the world. Um, and then finally... Uh, yeah, this one is so funny. You're, it's time to go somewhere, right? You, you're, you've been working. Maybe it was time to go to church this morning. And, um, and you're trying to get everybody out the door and like, come on, come on, we're going to be late, you know? And, and, you're, and you, you can feel the anxiety and they are dug in. They're absolutely don't, they're, they're, they're not going to leave on, you know, because they want to do life on their own terms, right? And so this is where we talk about going from O-crud to no-crud. It is, I mean, I, I don't know about y'all, but the get out the door thing, that can absolutely send me postal. can make me so mad, you know? Uh, I mean, short of like literally dragging a child out the door, you know? Um, don't call Child Protective Services. Um, but, um, but anyhow, but all that to say like, that this is where it can help us to kind of be a little more calm because this is not surprising. This is not, 
extraordinarily extraordinary or exceptional behavior. Um, this is kind of this is kind of their nature, and it's kind of our nature too. And so, some evidence is. Um, let me, sorry, let me, just a couple of evidences here. And I'll say, to, to kind of bring this, uh, uh, instead of oversharing stories, um, to kind of bring this to like a practical head, like one of the big endeavors that we're trying to cultivate as a parent is to help your child to uh, uh, have a couple of understandings. One, to under, have a sense of accountability. Um, you're, not, you're not God. And that means you're accountable to God and you're accountable to all the people around you. And you're particularly accountable to like your parents and your teachers and your coaches. Um, so instilling a sense of accountability, that's one thing we're gunning for. Secondly, to understand that if you try to do life on your own terms, it's very destructive for the people around you. It's, it's self-destructive, but it's also destructive for the people around you. It negatively affects the group. And so trying to help kids understand um, how they, how, how self-centeredness and self-absorption, how it affects others is really important. Understand that particularly when your child is a pre-adolescent uh, and an adolescent, you know, kind of early middle, you know, say like fifth grade to 10th grade, depending on the child, they have a very limited ability to understand that. They, there's such an intense sense of egocentricity that it, they, um, they, they do not understand it at that point like they're going to understand now. That does not excuse it. That doesn't mean you, you know, excuse it or you overlook it. But their ability to think outside themselves and to understand the effect of their actions on others is extremely limited. And so that's why you kind of have to continue to you know, hammer these things home and pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit does a work in their life to understand that. Um, and then a, um, a, sorry, accountability, a, um, a, a how, how they affect others. And just also, too, to understand that, like, you cannot do life on your own terms. Like it just, that, is, that is a life of destruction. We go back to the first page, Judges 21, 25. If anybody here has ever read the book of Judges, it's a train wreck. Like it is an absolute train wreck. I mean, it, the sin of Israel like gets worse and worse and worse and worse. To the last story, and this is not, this is not me being hyperbolic, like you have a prostitute who is cut up into multiple pieces and her body is shipped throughout the kingdom of Israel. And that's kind of a crescendo. Uh, and it's actually worse than that. There's, there's more, some more bad behavior before that. I just don't really want to get into right now. But, um, but yeah, that is how, that's how dark things get in the book of Judges. Not a, not a book to read to your kids at bedtime. Um, but the last line of Judges, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel... And every man did what was right in his own eyes. So everyone, particularly at the moral level, was doing life on their own terms. And doing life on your own terms, is, it, is, it leads to such a lonely, broken, frustrated, unproductive existence. We have to do life on God's terms. Um, and, so, and we have to do life on the terms of the, of the group, you know, the people around us that we're in relationship with. Um, and so, uh, so you can see in Proverbs 14, uh, 14, 12, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, which naturally is to do life on our own terms, but its end is the way of death. Like it's, it's leads to death socially, emotionally, psychologically, relationally, the whole nine yards. And so with that being said, um, 
With that being said, you see a couple of things that are emphasized in Scripture to this end. Um, to this end of, of helping your child grow from this, uh, from wanting to do life on their own terms and wanting to be the center of the world. And the first of that is there is a big emphasis, particularly in the New Testament, on submission to authority. Now, before I say that, I, I do want to recognize, I'm not saying, you know, like, that there is this blank check submission to authority that's evil. You know, like, the civil rights movement, resistance of segregation, like, that is a godly, just resistance of authority. The Ukrainians resisting the wickedness of the Russians. Um, that is, we're not saying like, you know what, the Ukrainians should just let them come on in. I mean, the Russians don't have the authority to do what they're doing. That's part of the evil of what they're doing. But with that being said, like, I'm not saying just a blank check, submit to authority. Because a lot of, a lot of oppressed people throughout time have been manipulated through this right here. They've been, particularly black Americans in the United States, like, hey, you just need to submit to the government authorities, right? You don't, you don't, need, to, you don't need to vie for, for justice and for freedom and for equal treatment. Like, you just need to submit to authority. And so that's a way that, um, that's a way that at the, the social governmental level that people have been uh, manipulated and harmed. It's particularly, you also see this, <clears throat> it's horrible. This is one of the biggest black marks <clears throat> on the church throughout history is the way that women who are being abused and mistreated by husbands are told, submit to your husband. You know, submit to your husband. And I mean, how many women have been harmed and died because of like hideous, hideous manipulation of the Bible like that? Or children who have been abused have been manipulated that. So I just want to throw that caveat here. We're not talking about just a blank check submission to authority. We're talking about normal submission to decent authority, okay? And so you see here in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And so, you know, with, um, look at some of the things here. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, um, like, you know, in the same way that we're called to obey the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. And so now the parenthetical part, Paul is adding in. He's quoting, he's quoting uh, you know, from the Ten Commandments, but he adds, this is the first commandment with a promise. And it says, then he's going back to the quotation from Exodus, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And so the reason that, like, um, the reason that it's important for kids to learn to obey their parents is because in learning to obey their parents, they're learning to obey the Lord. And learning to do life on the terms of their parents and of the family, they're learning to do life on the terms of God. And so one thing that, like when I discipline my kids, one thing I'll say, especially if they're like, you know, just, cont- just being really disobedient, is we say, hey, look, the reason that we're, I'm, we're disciplining you is because you, you are trying to live life on your own terms right now. And if you don't, if you don't obey mommy and daddy and you don't do, do life on our terms, then you're not going to do life on God's terms, and life is going to go bad for you. I literally say that. I literally say life is going to be unnecessarily difficult for you if you are insistent on doing life on your own terms, um, particularly in, in disobedience and, and in defiance to the terms of God. Now, obviously, you know, we can't just by sheer will do life on God's terms. This is why we need to draw close to Jesus. This is why we need to live under the power of the Holy Spirit, because it's not in our nature to do this. But this is, this is what I, the kind of the refrain that we say over and over again to our kids in discipline. It's like, you got to learn to do life on God's terms. Because if you don't do life on God's terms, 
it's gonna, it's gonna go bad. Life is gonna be unnecessarily hard for you. Um, and so you can see that in all these different ways that God is exhorting people to submit to authority. In Romans, he talks about it with governing authorities. In First Peter, uh, he talks about it, human inst- it talks about um, submitting to authority in terms of human institutions. And, and really, all of this is flowing down from the fundamental of doing life on God's terms. Um, all right, second thing is disciplining your children. It's, so we can see there's a big emphasis on submission to authority. And then here you also see throughout Scripture um, that a primary theme in Scripture when it comes to parenting is the discipline of kids, the correction of kids. Uh, particularly if you look at the Proverbs, there's just tons about this, this relationship between disciplining kids and the development of their character. So it says it is uh, for discipline that you have, it is, for, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So you can see this uh, connection that the author of Hebrews is making between the discipline, disciplining your kids and the discipline of God, helping kids understand to obey their parents and helping them to understand how to obey God and that, understand that principle. And so I'm not, I'm not going to get too much into this, but you can see this is a real fat, this is a real hot, trendy um, parenting paradigm. It's really good, though. Yeah, there's a diagram here at the bottom, and it talks about this, um, these, these different four categories. You have permissive parenting, you have uninvolved parenting, you have authoritative parenting, you have authoritarian parenting. And so you kind of have, you kind of have, you know, two ends of the, of the two opposite ends of the spectrum. Like with uninvolved, you have the, the parent who's just not even there. Um, with permissive parenting, it's kind of like you let the kid do whatever they want. You let the kid, the family really revolves around the kid and, um, and kind of does life on the kid's terms, you know, and the kid is really disciplined and so on and so forth. Um, on the other extreme, you have authoritarian parenting, and that is where it's really the parents wanting to do life on their own terms, run, run ragged and run wild. Um, the, there's not a, the parent basically wants the kid to control, wants the kid to comply, not because they care, they care about the development of the child or the care and the nurture and instruction of the child. They want the child to do what they say to do because they're, uh, they're living unrepentantly and they just want life on their own terms. So it's not, yeah, it's not about loving the child. It's about the parent having life on their terms um, and them being the center of it, not the kid. And so authoritative parenting is meant to be kind of this good blend where there is discipline, like where there are boundaries, there is structure, and it's done in a loving, nurturing kind of way where you're trying to cultivate the child's character. And so that's what we mean when we're talking about authoritative parenting. But permissive parenting, um, where the kid... Is, is rarely disciplined, rarely has any kind of boundaries, any kind of structure, um, it is really detrimental to the development of a child. Um, you see in terms of, you know, 
you see a, a lot of the bad outcomes in terms of a kid's life, um, a lot of times that it's the permissive parenting or uninvolved parenting that leads to that because the baseline default mode that the child has of I'm the center of the world, life should be on my terms, it's kind of affirmed. It's affirmed, it's not interfered with. <laughs> it's not corrected. And so as, as we've seen in these scriptures, if a, if a person lives their life in that kind of way, it just, it just does not go well. And we, we've, we all have um, been in relationship with, with people like that, and we, we know exactly what I'm talking about. So that's all to say that this, um, the value of discipline is helping your child understand they're not the center of the world. They can't do life on their own terms. Um, okay, so closing thoughts. All right, number one, a major aspect of parenting is helping kids understand their desire to do life on their own terms and that that way of life and that the way of life, peace, and human flourishing is to do life on God's terms according to his word and law. Um, yeah, I'd so say that again, like when we discipline, I like to, I, I think it's, I think it's important to communicate to your child, hey, your desire is to do life on your own terms. And it's for, for them to know, to understand sin in that way. A lot of times in parenting, we just want to deal with the behavior. We just want to, we just want to be like, hey, you stole and that's wrong. Or like, hey, you know, you said something bad, that's wrong. You were mean, that's bad. And yeah, certainly you do, you do actually need to morally instruct your child. That's a, you do want to address the behavior level, but you also want to get down to the theological level to help your child understand that their behavior is a manifestation of their desire to be the center of the world. So they need, you need to, we want to operate at both levels to help them understand the source and the manifestation of their sin. All right, second thing. The gospel and the character of God are key in this conversation. A reason we don't want to submit to God is because we don't believe that God is good. And the gospel affirms his goodness and love. So when we say, like, you need to do life on God's terms. We don't just say that, you know, just do it because I said do it. We need to explain that God's good. Like he's for you and he has your best interest in mind. And so he is, he wants you to do life on his terms according to his law because he really cares about you. The reason that Adam and Eve don't obey the law is because they don't believe that God is for them. They believe that he's against them. And so the antidote, that's why the gospel is so key in this whole conversation the gospel of reminding your child that, like, hey, Jesus is for you, and the reason we know that is because he died for your sins. Um, third, a major purpose of discipline is helping your child learning to do life on God's terms. If you, want, if you won't obey mommy and, and day, <laughs> mommy and daddy, um, you won't obey God. If you do life on your terms and not on God's terms, it's going to go bad, as I've said. <laughs> you can see that as a refrain in my household. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, we've, we've already covered that, and I need to expound upon that much more. Um, help kids to see the negative effects on all people when we do life on our own terms, not on God terms. Kind of the myth of moral wealthism. The, the myth in the culture, and this is you know, particularly accentuated now, is that <clears throat> human flourishing comes when we can all do what we want to do on our own terms. Like, that's what freedom is. I'll be happy if I can do whatever I want to do. And that is just such a lie. That is such a lie from the pit of hell. It is so self-destructive. It's so not true. Um, and so that's something that, you know, whether it's, Things that you see in media, things that you observe in life, like that's just, that's a, that is a thing, that is a, a myth to address, is that doing what, being able to do whatever you want to want, you want to do and being affirmed for it is not in your best interest. It does not lead to human flourishing. And then finally, um, 
this amplifies our need to examine our own desire to do life on our own terms. Daily remember the gospel and repent such that we live as humble servants. Yeah, I mean, as I said, like, part of the reason that this aspect of our kid's sin unhinges us and can really frustrate us the most is because this hits at the center of our own sin. You know, I mean, the, um, they, they say, like, um, your awareness of your selfishness increases by, like, 200% when you get married, and your awareness of your selfishness increases by 2,000% when you have kids. Um, yeah, because you really, it is such a death to life on your own terms, even at this, the basic level of your time. You know, it's like, oh, I used to come home from work, and, you know, I would go for a jog, and then I'd take a shower, and then, you know, we're like, oh, what are we going to watch tonight, right? You know, and we're doing, and we're doing, and now it's like, it's, it's like, you, you, you are, you, you really are, you know, waking up in the middle of the night when your kids wake up, and you're, you know, cleaning up, and it just, you know, it's all, that whole <laughs> discretion of your time, like, it's gone out the door, and it's, and, and that is a real affront to our core belief that we're the center of the world, and so, um, but then it's even, it's magnified even more when you're dealing with, with people who um, really don't have any awareness. Like they don't, they don't have any self-awareness that so that's their mode. That's just what they do. Um, and it has to, the Holy Spirit has to make us aware of that in our own lives. And hopefully he does that for us more and more. But all that to say is <clears throat> like, before we kind of take this to our kids, we got to really take it to ourselves. Take it to ourselves and understand um, understand and ask the Holy Spirit to help us repent uh, from our default mode of waking up in the morning, wanting to do life on our own terms, for us to be the center of the world and help the Lord lead us in repentance from that. So that is all I have. Um, questions? Yes, Madam Norwood. Praise the Lord. That was a blessing. That was a total blessing. I have a friend, and he's, he's, um, he and I both used to like uh, coach swimming together, and he's like, I'm never coaching. And uh, he would be a really good coach. I was like, tell me about that. And he's like, I-, I need someone else to yell at my kid. <laughs> and I know that's kind of, I know we kind of said it tongue in cheek. But essentially what he's saying is like, it's that is so good for your child to he see that it's not just you saying this. Like, this is just the way the world works. You know? And, and yes, like, that's one of those things where, um, where like the-, the theology of the cross is so helpful as a parent. Because you're like, for your child to mess up, to get punished, to face consequences, that is the work of Jesus in their life. Hallelujah! <laughs> Praise the Lord! It is! It is! It is! It's true, you know? It is true. It is good for them. It is good for the cultivation of their character. And that's, again, going from O-crud to no-crud. It's like, a lot of times we can, our, ch- our children get in trouble in those kind of ways, and we're like, stunned, you know? And it's like, no, your child is depraved. Like, and they need, and, and, and the God's got to do a work in their life, you know? And, and, and the detention story is a perfect example of that. That was very valuable. Thank you for sharing that. Um, sorry, I went a little over the top there. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it, that's, that's, the, that's where you need the Lord's wisdom on the law and the grace. Because God is holy and just. Like, he does not play. And he is kind and he's gentle. You know? And so, and, but we're human beings. And so towing that line is really difficult. And so that's where we really just have to rely on the wisdom of the Lord on how it is that we are, we're firm and that we're calm and kind as we do it, you know? And that's why the, that's why the repentance from our own self-centeredness is so key. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say that um, 
15 years ago compared to today, I think one of the, one of the things that accentuates this in our kids is that like, this is going to sound a little bit reductionistic, a little over reductionistic, but you know, like technology kind of affirms the sense that we can have life on our own terms. Because like, I always talk about the difference between if I wanted to watch a movie as a kid, I had to get my parents to take me down to the Blockbuster store down at Eastwood Mall. <laughs> and everyone who grew up in Birmingham laughs when I said Eastwood Mall. And, and then, you know, if, if the movie was in, I, the VHS was in, I would get it. But now it's like you can literally watch Netflix on your phone. You can get what you want when you want it right now. And so that does kind of accentuate and affirm this notion of like, I can have life on my own terms. Hey, one last little story. We need to wrap it up. But this is such a, um, there is this, these, uh, Charlotte will know who I'm talking about. There are these two kids in our youth group, like the sweetest girls in the world. They were such great kids. It's the Tracys. Catherine and Virginia, fabulous kids. And, um, and, you know, like one of the cool things about my job is I've like observed, I can like, there's kind of this proof is in the pudding thing with some of these kids. And I'll like go to the parents and like, hey, like what's the, what's the formula here? Like what's the recipe? There is no, there is no formula. You know, there is no formula, but like you do get to observe a lot of parents handling difficult things in a good way. Um, yeah, anyhow, so I asked, I asked this mom, I'm like, hey, and this mom is super sweet, like really nice lady. I'm like, hey, so what, like, can you give me, like, what's the secret here? Your kids are great. And, uh, like, is there, any, is there any advice you would give me? She said the most surprising thing. She goes, yeah, um, I would say good old-fashioned hard-nosed discipline. I was like, say what? <laughs> and, yeah, and anyhow, and, and that was her, that was kind of her thing. That was, she's like, that's my mindset. Like, I was consistent, we had our rules, we had our things, and we disciplined our kids. And, uh, anyhow, and so, they, and there were these really sweet, godly kids. So, that's not, sorry, please don't hear that as a formula. But I think it do, that does kind of illustrate a lot of what we're talking about here um, in terms of helping your child learn that they're not the center of the world, they're accountable, and that they need to live life on God's terms and the terms of other people. I'm over time. There are children who look like they're about to break down the door. <laughs> Let me pray. I'm going to say a prayer for us. I'm happy to stay around and talk. Um, Jesus, thank you. Thanks so much that... Um, you, you meet us where we are and that you are, you're so kind and you're so patient with us and help us, Lord, to see the log in our eye before we see it in our child's eye. Help, help refine, refine us, Lord. And, uh, and Lord, like, let us too put the burden on your shoulders. Like, we, you're, the, you're, the, you're the Savior and the Lord of our kids' lives. You love them more than we do. You're far more capable than we are. So help us to prayerfully trust you. Trust you, Lord. I ask you prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.